0: Why Good Friday? What's so good about this day? We almost could say, how, how dare we call this day on which our sinless Savior died as our substitute in our place? How, how dare we call it good? We dare to do so not because what happened to Jesus Christ on that day was good, but we call this day good because of what God was doing in Christ was the infinite good in purchasing our salvation. But Christ's uh, substitutionary death in our place, it could not have been good in any sense if that Friday were not followed by Resurrection Sunday, on the third day. And so we take a moment tonight just to simply proclaim our Lord's death in our place for our sins until He comes. As Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, every time you do this, you do so in remembrance of me. Let's just pray together. God, it is our prayer tonight that um, we would proclaim Christ's death as a reminder to us, as a reminder to each other uh, of just how good we've got it now, of just how good this day really was um, for eternity, for us, and just how good our God is, how good our Savior is how kind, how loving, how generous, how humble and serving he was. Coming not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. And so we pray, Lord, that our, just our our small gathering here tonight for a few moments after a busy week, uh, Lord, we pray that it would glorify your name and that it would build up the church. That it would encourage each other. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to read several um, passages of Scripture tonight. We're going to sing a couple of songs, and then we will have communion at the end. I want to open with Psalm 22. Parts of this will be familiar to you. Um, maybe not from Psalms, maybe from the New Testament. But you'll understand as we get into this. Psalm 22, beginning in the first verse, David wrote this, King David. And it begins with this, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from, my, from the words of my groaning? Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer. And by night, but I find no rest. They make mouths at me, they wag their heads. He trusts in the Lord. Let him deliver him. Let him rescue him, for he delights in him. Yet you are he who took me from the womb. You you made me trust you at my mother's breast. On you I was cast from my birth and from my mother's womb. You have been my God. Be not far from me, for trouble is near, and there is none to help. Many bulls encompass me. Strong bulls of Bashan surround me. They open wide their mouths at me like a raving and roaring lion. I poured out like water. And all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted within my breast. My strength is dried up like a pot shirt And my tongue sticks to my jaws. You lay me in the dust of death. For dogs encompass me. A company of evildoers encircles me. They have pierced my hands and feet. I can count on all my bones. They stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them. And for my clothing, they cast lots. Sin. Sin is an offense to God. Sin is an offense. It is offensive to God. Every sin. Your sin, my sin, sin reaches every nook and cranny of our human relationships, but it's treated throughout the Scriptures, throughout God's Word, as primarily a transgression of God's commands, a breaking of His law. And apart from Christ's saving work, we are enemies of God, and we are subject to His just condemnation. We are condemned. We are destined for an eternity apart from Him. We are destined for an eternity in hell. We're no better than even Judas. Matthew chapter 26 verses 1 through 5 when Jesus had finished all these sayings, he said to his disciples, You know that after two days the Passover is coming and the Son of Man will be delivered up to be crucified. Then the chief priests and the elders of the people gathered in the palace of the high priest, whose name was Caiaphas, and plotted together in order to arrest Jesus by stealth and kill him. But they said, Not during the feast, lest there be an uproar among the people." Verse 14 says this, Then one of the twelve, whose name was Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priests and said, What will you give me if I deliver him over to you? And they paid him thirty pieces of silver. And from that moment, he sought an opportunity to betray him. Let's sing a song together, reminding us of God's love. It's hymn number 80. How deep the Father's love for us. So we'll stand and sing. How deep the Father's love for us. How vast beyond all measure. Number 80. Maybe seated. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Luke chapter 22. Beginning in verse 7, Luke 22, verse 7. Then came the day of unleavened bread, on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. So Jesus sent Peter and John, saying, Go and prepare the Passover for us, that we may eat it. They said to him, Where will you have us prepare it? And he said to them, Behold, when you have entered the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him into the house that he enters and tell the master of the house, The teacher says to you, Where is the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? And he will show you a large upper room furnished. Prepare it there. And they went and found it just as he had told them, and they prepared the Passover. And when the hour came, he reclined at table, and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. And likewise the cup, after they had eaten, saying, This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. But behold, the hand of him who betrays me is with me on the table. For the Son of Man goes as it has been determined. But woe to that man by whom he is betrayed. And they began to question one another, which of them it could be who is going to do this. Let's sing another. Uh, We'll stand Number 302, Nothing But the Blood. Have a seat. Again in Matthew 26, this time in verse 30. Matthew 26, verse 30. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Then Jesus said to them, You will all fall away because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go before you into Galilee. Peter answered him, Though they all fall away because of you, I will never fall away. Jesus said to him, Truly, truly, I tell you, this very night, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Peter said to him, Even if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And all the disciples said the same. What happened on Good Friday... That first Good Friday was the atonement for sin. The atonement for Peter's sin. And if you're a believer, it was the atonement for your sin as well. Jesus' death on the cross completed His work of atonement. Our sins have destroyed our relationship with God. But Christ shed blood purifies us from all sin, John tells us in his epistle. It purifies us from all sin and restores us into fellowship with Him. But is that it? Is atonement kind of simply a a pardon? Is it God just saying, oh, don't worry about it? That's not the story of our salvation. Because in the death of Christ, He atoned for our sin, but He also justifies us. He redeemed us. He adopted us. He made us His own people. He gave us the right to be called children of God. John Calvin wrote, from the time that He took on the form of a servant, He began to pay the price of liberation in order to redeem us. For the Son of Man came not to be served, But to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. See, Jesus' substitutionary atonement, his suffering on the cross on our behalf, on my behalf, it cancels our debts. But justification raises us upright in God's presence with Christ's righteousness credited to our account. Atonement takes away our guilt. And justification gives us that, that positive standing in God's court, in His courtroom. So that we are not only forgiven, but we are completely acceptable. We are righteous, we are holy, we are pleasing to God for Christ's sake. This was His work on the cross. This is what Romans chapter 8 in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Luke chapter 22, beginning in verse 39. Luke twenty-two thirty-nine says this, And he came out and went, as was his custom, to the Mount of Olives, And his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. And when he rose from prayer, he came to the disciples and found them sleeping for sorrow. And he said to them, why are you sleeping? Rise and pray that you may not enter into temptation. while he was still speaking, there came a crowd. And the man called Judas, one of the twelve, was leading them. He drew near to Jesus to kiss him. But Jesus said to him, Judas, would you betray the Son of Man with a kiss? When those who were around him saw what would follow, they said, Lord, shall we strike with the sword? And one of them struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his right ear. But Jesus said, no more of this. And he touched his ear and healed him. Then Jesus said to the chief priests and the officers of the temple, and the elders who had come out against him, have you come out as against a robber with swords and clubs? When I was with you day after day in the temple, you did not lay hands on me, but this is your hour, the power of darkness. Then they seized him and led him away, bringing him into the high priest's house, and Peter was following at a distance. When they had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat down among them. Then a servant girl, seeing him as he sat in the light and looking closely at him, said, This man also was with him. But he denied it, saying, Woman, I do not know him. And a little later, someone else saw him and said, You also are one of them. But Peter said, Man, I am not. And after an interval of about an hour, still another insisted, saying, Certainly, this man also was with him, for he too is a Galilean. But Peter said, Man, I do not know what you are talking about. And immediately, while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. And Peter remembered the saying of the Lord, how he had said to him, Before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. Now the men who were holding Jesus in custody were mocking him as they beat him. They also blindfolded him and kept asking him, Prophesy, who is it that struck you? And they said to other things against him, blaspheming him. When day came, Then they said, what further testimony do we need? We have heard it ourselves from his own lips. Then the whole company of them arose and brought him before Pilate. They began to accuse him, saying, we found this man misleading our nation and forbidding us to give tribute to Caesar and and saying that he himself is Christ, a king. And Pilate asked him, are you the king of the Jews? And he answered him, you have said so. And Pilate said to the chief priests and the crowds, I find no guilt in this man. But they were urgent, saying he stirs up the people teaching throughout all Judea, from Galilee even to this place. When Pilate heard this, he asked whether the man was a Galilean. When he had learned that he belonged to Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him over to Herod who was himself in Jerusalem at the time. When Herod saw Jesus, he was very glad for he had long desired to see him because he had heard about him. And he was hoping to see some sign done by him. So he questioned him at some length, but he made no answer. The chief priests and the scribes stood by, vehemently accusing him. And Herod with his soldiers treating him with contempt and mocking him. Then arraying him in splendid clothing, he sent him back to Pilate. And Herod and Pilate became friends with each other that very day. For before this, they had been at enmity with each other. Pilate then called together the chief priests and the rulers and the people and said to them, you brought me this man as one who was misleading the people. And after examining him before you, behold, I did not find this man guilty of any of your charges against him, neither did Herod, for he sent him back to us. Look, nothing deserving death has been done by him. I'll therefore punish him and release him. But they all cried out together, away with this man and release to us Barabbas. demanding with loud cries that he should be crucified. And their voices prevailed. So Pilate decided that their demand should be granted. And he released the man who had been thrown into prison for insurrection and murder, whom they asked. But he delivered Jesus over to their will. And as they led him away, they seized one, Simon of Cyrene, who was coming in from the country, and laid on him the cross to carry it behind Jesus. There followed him a great multitude of the people and of women who were mourning and lamenting for him. But turning to them, Jesus said, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For behold, the days are coming when they will say, Blessed are the barren, and the wombs that never bore, and the breasts that never nursed. Then they will begin to say to the mountains, fall on us. And to the hills, cover us. For if they do these things when the wood is green, what will happen when it is dry? Two others who were criminals were led away to be put to death with him. And when they came to the place that is called the skull, where they crucified him and the criminals, one on his right, one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they know not what what they do. And all the crowds that had assembled for this spectacle, when they saw what had taken place, returned home beating their breasts. And all his acquaintances and the women who had followed him from Galilee stood at a distance watching these things. Now there was a man named Joseph from the Jewish town of Arimathea. He was a member of the council, a good and righteous man who had not consented to their decision and action. And he was looking for the kingdom of God. This man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then he took it down and wrapped it in a linen shroud and laid him in a tomb cut in stone where no one had ever yet been laid. It was the day of preparation and the Sabbath was beginning. The women who had come with him from Galilee followed and saw the tomb and how his body was laid. Then they returned and prepared spices and ointments. On the Sabbath they rested according to the commandments. As we read through the various accounts of Jesus' crucifixion and his death, there are a couple of other characters that stand out to us, a couple of other men that we see. We really need to take a moment and just look at them very, very briefly. Both of these men were members of the original twelve, his disciples. They were followers of Jesus Christ, and both of them sinned grievously. That first man was Judas. John chapter 12, verses 1 through 8, a week before, six days before the events that we just read, we read this story, John 12, verse 1, six days before the Passover, Jesus therefore came to Bethany where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead, so they gave a dinner for him there. Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those reclining with him at table. Mary therefore took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, he was about to betray him, said, why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii and and given to the poor? He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. And having charge of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Jesus said, leave her alone, so that she may keep it for the day of my burial. For the poor you always have with you, but you do not always have me. Then in Matthew 26, again, verses 14, 15, and 16. I read this a moment ago, but think of Judas now. Matthew twenty six fourteen. Then one of the twelve, those whose name, was Jude, uh, whose name was Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priests and said, "What will you give me to deliver him over to you?" And they paid him thirty pieces of silver. And from that moment, he sought an opportunity to betray him. We read of his betrayal, betrayal with a kiss, or at least an attempted kiss. But then in chapter 27, verse 3, when all of that was happening that I read in Luke, verse 3 of of Matthew 27 says this, Then when Judas, his betrayer, saw that Jesus was condemned, he changed his mind and brought back the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and the elders, saying, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. And they said, what's that to us? See to it yourself and throwing down the pieces of silver into the temple, he departed and went and hanged himself. Hanged himself. Crushing sadness, grief, led Judas to suicide without repentance. He felt sorry sorrow for what he did. And in his sorrow, he took his own life. The second of Jesus' followers who also betrayed Him that we need to consider is, of course, Simon Peter. Again, in Luke chapter 22, verse 31, while they were at the table, the Last Supper, Passover feast, verse 31, Jesus says to Peter, He says, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you. That he might sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. Peter said to him, Lord, I am ready to go with you both to prison and to death. Jesus said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster will not crow this day until you have denied three times that you know me. Listen again to his denials. And a little later, someone else saw him and said, you're also one of them. But Peter said, man, I am not. And after an interval of about an hour, still another insisted, saying, certainly, this man also was with him, for he too is a Galilean. But Peter said, man, I do not know what you are talking about. And immediately, while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. And Peter remembered the saying of the Lord, how he had said to him, before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. But then after the resurrection, a little bit later, after Judas has committed suicide because of his crushing sadness and his grief, after denying Christ when he swore that he would die for him, that he would go to go to prison for him, though they all deny you, I never will, Peter said. And then he did three times. After all of that, in John 21, we read this. John 21, verse 15, just a few days later. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon Peter was grieved because he'd said to him a third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you're old, you'll stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. And then John adds, This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. Crushing sadness brought Judas to suicide. Crushing sadness brought Peter to repentance. He says, you know I love you. You know I love you. Three times, yes, Lord, I love you. What makes the difference between Peter and Judas? What's the difference between these two men who both denied him? It really was their attitude toward Christ. That's what saves us from hell. Repentance. Sin and guilt do not necessarily produce repentance. The ugliness of sin is not enough to make us repent. We we must turn to Christ. Christ. Judas saw his sin, admitted it, and killed himself. Peter saw his sin, was confronted by the Lord immediately with eye contact, wept. And Christ came back to him and said, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? me? Let's sing one more hymn. We're going to sing the first three verses of hymn number 380, My Jesus, I Love Thee. Then we're going to do this. We're going to have communion. We're going to do it a little different. Usually in church, the elders will serve the congregation, serve the church um, the supper. Tonight, I'm going to just ask you to come forward. So we're going to sing three verses, and I'm going to say a few words. And then as you are led, you will come forward, and then we'll come back and sing that last verse in a moment. So hymn number 380, let's stand together. My Jesus, I love thee. Matthew 26, 26 says, Now as they were eating, Jesus took bread. And after blessing it, he said, Take and eat. This was his institution of the new covenant, the new promise of God. Jesus' blood was shed for our sin. The apostle Paul says, this is the new covenant in my blood. Of course, Paul is quoting Jesus. Jesus. This cup is the new covenant of my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. I'm going to ask you to come forward on the middle aisle, tear off a piece of bread, take a cup, go ahead and eat and drink, and then we're going to get back together and sing one more verse of that song. 380, verse 4. Think of the promises in this final verse. For in Him, the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through Him to reconcile to Himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of His cross. Sunday is coming. The hope of Good Friday is seen in the resurrection of Sunday morning. Let me pray, and then you'll be dismissed. God, we pray that we would take these feelings that we have, the truth of your word, uh, the solemnness of this occasion, that we would take these things and use them to proclaim Jesus' death until he returns. Lord, we know that the end of the story is not the crucifixion. We know that the end of the story is not the resurrection. We know that the end of the story is not the ascension. But the end of the story is Jesus reigning for an eternity. When every knee bows and every tongue confesses that Jesus is Lord to the glory of the Father. And so we long for that, Lord. God, we pray that your name would be glorified in our hearts, from our lips, in our actions, in all that we do. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.